What's up, Boom Team? Welcome back to the podcast, episode 22. My name is Dakota Nutter, and I hope you are having a great day, morning, afternoon, night, whatever you're doing. I hope you're having a good one. It's a very windy day here today on this uh, Thursday afternoon at 3 o'clock. I uh, got a couple updates for you guys on um, the MLB playoffs right now. I just felt like I would be doing a disservice to anybody um, who might be a baseball fan who just might want to know the updates on the playoff standings. And just an update as to how the WNBA finals. And then we'll hop into NFL Week 4, talk about our comeback game of the week, all that stuff. Um, I'll have my division updates, my or my picks of the week like normal, and then we're also going to be talking about the growing, yet sadly growing, uh, coronavirus situation in the NFL. So to just jump right into it with the MLB, currently in the ALDS, uh, the Ray, the number one ranked Rays are playing the Yankees. The Rays are leading the series two games to one. Uh, game four is on October 8th, which is tonight, um, at 7 tonight, so that should be a good one. Um, also, on the other side of the ALDS, the Astros are playing the Athletics. The Astros are leading the series 2-1. to one. They dropped a game to the Athletics last night. Um, game four will be played today, actually, in about a half hour at uh, 3.55 Eastern. In the NLDS, the Dodgers, the number one ranked Dodgers, are up two games to zero against the number four ranked Padres. Uh, game three will be going down today at uh, 9 o'clock tonight. And the other side of the NLDS, the Braves are leading the series two games to zero. Um, game three is uh, right now, it's actually the top of the second on FS1. I'm not going to dive too much into the MLB playoffs because I'm not going to lie, I don't know a ton about baseball. And I just don't want to say something that I, I don't want to talk about something that I don't know a ton about. And I'd rather just give the updates until I do know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but also real quick, I just want to give you guys the, the winner of the WNBA finals. The Seattle Storm beat, uh, defeated the Aces in a, a series sweep, uh, three games to zero. Uh, Sue Bird wins her fourth uh, WNBA championship and Brianna Stewart won the MVP for that series. So congratulations, Seattle Storm. It's an absolutely amazing accomplishment. They've they've been pretty dominant all season from what I've heard. Like I said, I haven't been super updated with the WNBA. It's something I want to change, just like the MLB. I want to be more in tune with those sports because they, they are pretty fun. And especially in October, uh, baseball, for, for me personally, just gets a lot better in October. I couldn't really figure out how to explain it, but um, I was listening to the radio the other day, and somebody said that uh, the best the best baseball is playoff baseball so and I think that might be why I get a little bit more attracted to it um, as it goes on especially in October but I'm hopping right into the NBA finals game five or the NBA finals is tonight I keep thinking it's game six I don't know why Um, I just for some reason I've been getting getting it mixed up but game five tonight Lakers lead the series three to one Um, I'm just going to recap game threes and four and just to hop into Game 3, the Lakers in Game 3, they um, they got in trouble real quick, and they got some hot water with uh, Anthony Davis. Davis picked up three fouls within the first quarter, I believe, or the first half, and um, that really just kind of disabled him for the whole game. Um, he couldn't really do much. He only ended up with 15 points, which is not a lot um, for Anthony Davis at all, especially the, the finals MVP candidate that he is. He's been absolutely dominant all series and all season, and um, you don't really see Anthony Davis putting up you know, 15 points in one game. LeBron James still had his 25 points, um, and Kuzba and Morris, they were able to put up 19 points each, but um, it just it, it didn't work out. Uh, like I said, early foul trouble for Davis um, just wasn't, wasn't in the cards for them it just you can't really get it done with that because then you just feel like you can't do anything 
and they almost they felt like they lost their sense of identity to me. You know, once they lost Davis, it was like, okay, well, who's going to pick it up? And um, Morris and um, Kuzma ended up picking up, getting around uh, 20 points. They got 19, like I said, but it just didn't really feel like um, they had anything anything else to offer the Miami. And Jimmy Butler had a Nick unbelievable game um with 40 points 11 rebounds and 13 assists um but even so i mean crowder had 12 points uh myers leonard who doesn't see the floor at much at all um especially with bam out of this game three um he had seven points he was also very good on defense uh, duncan robinson had 13 points so he's been struggling to score the basketball in this series um tyler hero had 17 and kelly olenic who i think played a huge role in this game had 17 um, unlike LA, Miami really needs like consistent group output. Um, Butler had an amazing game, but without the help of like Olenek and Leonard, um, not only on the defensive end, but Olenek being a big man who can shoot the three, um, it really, it really stretches the floor for the heat and it really helps, uh, helps fill in the, the missing piece with a uh, Bam Adebayo not being in there, but jumping into game four. Um, LA completely switched it around. Um, LeBron James had 28 points. Anthony Davis had 22 with four blocks. Um, Cadavius Caldwell Pope had 15, and Danny Green had a little bit of an identity find. He's been really missing most of the playoffs, really. Um, he only had 10 points, but he, it was better than what he's been doing. Um, and you know, the story with Olenek in game three was the complete opposite of game four. Um, there was no production from him. He only had four points and, um, Kendrick Nunn really hasn't been able to fill in the spot for Goran Dragic that they wanted him to. Obviously he's probably not going to do it cause he's not Goran Dragic and he's a rookie. Um, he only had six points and hit most of his points that he gets in games are garbage time points. Um, like in game two, or I think it was game one where he had 18, but I think like 12 of them came in the fourth quarter, like late in the fourth. So them not producing really helped LA. Um, Jimmy Butler had 22 points, which was a series low for him. Uh, bam at a bio in his game, first game back. Um, well, really not his first game. He was in game one. So, um, he had 15 points. Duncan Robinson, uh, scored the basketball a lot better in this game. He had 17 and Tyler Hero had 21 um, but he had 18 till the last final second, so you know, take it for what it's worth. But um, LA, none, nonetheless, LA had a hard time shaking Miami in this game. Um, but again, no Olenek production and none failing to fill in for Drogic just killed them. Um, and if you really think about it, there was there, I don't think there was a double I don't think there was a double point lead in this game um, at all. If I'm if I'm correct, I'd have to be fact check on that. But um, LeBron and AD also just to really show how well Miami was doing was uh, LeBron and AD had only eight points each by halftime, um, which really should have resulted in a Heat victory. Um, it was a great team game uh, by the Heat, but they were just missing one to two players. Myers Leonard didn't even see the floor. Um, with Bam Adebayo back, but Olenek was really, I think, that missing piece. And if they can get just maybe like, you know, you're asking a lot from Kendrick Nunn just because of how young he is and inexperienced, but if you could maybe get like 10 points, you know, six just isn't going to cut it. And they, they only lost by six, you know. If uh, Kendrick Nunn can get, you know, two more baskets and Olenek can maybe get 15, I mean, we've seen that he can. So if he can get like 15 and Nunn gets 10 or so or even more, um, you, you win this game. And, you know, Anthony Davis, these past two games, obviously, like I said, in game three, he had, he was in foul trouble. But, I mean, you, you stabilized LeBron and Anthony Davis. So you, you, you figure something out. You know, you had them both at eight points at the half. Sure, LeBron had 20 in the second half and Anthony Davis had 16. But that those are really kind of small numbers for them. We're talking about, 
you know, one of the greatest of all time. And then, you know, one of the best players in the entire league today, or um, at this point, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. So, um, you really should have been able to to pull that game away, um, and I think if you if you want to win a game five tonight, um, I think they're going to do the same thing. I think uh, Eric Spolstrom with this two day rest um, is really going to put together a, a game plan that's going to be able to maybe stabilize um, LeBron and AD more. But then again, you can't count on that because this is LeBron and AD we're talking about. Um, but if they can do that and then just get a little bit more from Olenek, and they they might not even you know, like stabilize LeBron and AD more. They might not, you know, kind of keep them quiet anymore. I think you, they might just try and get more production out of Olenek and maybe try and stretch the floor more. Maybe maybe that was the issue is that, you know, because Bam was back, they used him a little too much and they didn't give Olenek enough. I don't really know. That's probably, that's a bad take. But still, um, I think given the, the two-day rest that they had, I think uh, Eric Spolstrom um, being the good, uh, the good coach that he is is going to really put together a game plan that I think Miami might be able to push this to six. Um, I don't, I'm not confident in that, but, um, I'm going to give Miami the benefit of the doubt. And I'm going to say that they pushed the, the series to six. All right. We're going to hop into week four of the NFL, but first here's a message from anchor. All right. We're going to hop right into week four of the NFL. Um, in review for me, I was six for 15. I uh, missed out on the Texans Vikings. I really thought I could bank on the Texans, but, um, after the bill of Brian firing, um, I can definitely tell that the whole place is in disarray at the moment. Um, I was a little, I was, a, I don't know how to, how to describe it. I took the Lions over the Saints. I, um, it was my upset of the week. I thought, uh, the Lions could really pull it off. Um, but I think I was getting a little crazy there. I was severely disappointed, um, with the Cowboys versus Browns game, not just from a fan perspective, but also just because it was a very bad showing from their defense. Um, but it was just, it was awful. I hated every second of it. And it, it's, it almost feels like a waste when you have such a great offense, but just a defense that just puts it to waste. Um, I had the Bears versus the Colts. I, I thought Nick Foles was for real. Um, but the Colts defense just proved too much. Uh, and they're just the best in the NFL by far. So there's no way of really going against that, especially with an offense that uh, is struggling to find a quarterback right now. But I think they're going to stick with Nick Foles. And I had the Niners over the Eagles in what I thought would be a, sh- a sure win. I thought um, with how, you know, just out of place everything is with the Eagles, I thought that they wouldn't be able to pull off um, a win against a Niners team that is banged up. But um, they are very well coached. And Nick Mullins did look okay. Um, but after that game, I don't know if he'll be the – the starting quarterback anymore, but we'll we'll get into all of that. But right now, we're going to be talking about the Panthers versus Cardinals. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater for the Panthers threw uh, 276 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. And the the offense was just productive. Um, the the offensive productivity um, just really helped them kind of chug right past the Cardinals. The Cardinals were not very great, um, and their offense is very explosive, but they just didn't didn't show up this game and. The Panthers' offense, they averaged around five minutes per possession, um, which is what you want. You know, you want to be able to dominate the time of possession like that. And on the, the last drive of the game for for the Panthers, or the last scoring drive um, that they had, they held the ball for eight minutes and 30 seconds, which is exactly what you want. You don't want to give the ball back to uh, to Kyler Murray and the, the, the Cardinals because they can make something happen out of nowhere. Um, and the Panthers did win this by a two-possession game. Um, that that scoring drive that lasted eight minutes and thirty seconds was actually the drive that made it a two possession game, which was um, absolutely crucial and it was probably just you know terrible for the for the Cardinals to have to watch. Um, Kyler Murray did have a solid day um, scoring wise. He had three touchdowns, one hundred thirty three yards, and uh, he had seventy eight. Uh, 
yards rushing. Um, but and Hopkins didn't really do as well as they wanted him to. He was seven for nine with only 41 yards. He was the highest receiver too. So there wasn't a ton of uh, production in the passing area. I mean, even so, you can see a Kyler Murray with 133 yards um, passing just isn't what you want from your quarterback. And uh, the Cardinals defense had no sacks and the inability to just stop the offense. Just you can't you can't expect any team to win if you can't stop the other team's offense. That's simple. Um, it was a very solid win for the Panthers. It showed that, um, to me personally, that Teddy Bridgewater is what um, the Panthers thought he was. Um, I know for the first two weeks there, you know, he wasn't the 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 prospect that they thought he was. But um, these past two weeks, um, the first two weeks, he wasn't that great. But these past two weeks, he's really stepped into it, especially without Christian McCaffrey, which um, I really thought that it was just going to go all up in the air, up in smoke. But um, they've shown that they can fight back and that they're willing to, to take it to any team and they don't go down easy. Um, the Colts versus Bears game, um, just like I was talking about a little earlier, this game was rather boring. I'm pretty sure it was the lowest scoring game of the week. Um, the Colts ended up winning 19 to 11. Uh, Philip Rivers had 190 yards, one touchdown, and uh, Foles had 249 yards with one touchdown and an interception. Um, in a in a battle of defenses, the Colts were really able to stop Nick Nicky Foles. Um, the the score wasn't. As close as it seems, it was the the Bears didn't score a touchdown until late in the game. I think they were down like nineteen to three, um, and then the the Bears were able to get a two point conversion off of a touchdown. And ra- rather than you know worry about the the Bears quarterback situation, which we all know the Bears quarterback situation is um, not great right now. Nick Foles, I think they're going to keep him as starter um, and probably get rid of Mitch Trubisky. I don't know if it's going to be a trade or if they're just going to straight up cut him. Um, by the end of the season, but I'm more worried about um, the Colts right now in the offense because yes, you did play a decent Bears defense, um, but Philip Rivers hasn't been that great this season, and you know you're gonna come up uh, against some offenses um, as the as the Colts um, that are gonna be able to put up some numbers against this defense. You know this isn't a super lockdown defense; they're the best in the NFL, yes, um, but they're not gonna be able to hold teams to 11 points each time. So I'm more worried about the Colts and Philip Rivers being able to put up um, numbers against other teams but uh, we'll see as as the season goes on Um, the next game is the Bengals versus the Jags the Bengals pulled off uh, their very first you know win not a tie not a loss um, against the Jacksonville Jaguars they won 33 to 25 Uh, Gardner Minshew was 24 for 40 which that's a lot of attempts Um, he had 351 yards and uh, two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, DJ Chark was the leading receiver for that um, for the Jags with two touchdowns, 95 yards, and he was eight for nine. Uh, Joe Burrows for the for the Bengals was 25 of 36 with 300 yards, one touchdown, and an interception. Um, Joe Mixon was the big story of the day. Um, he had 25 carries, 151 yards, and two touchdowns. And Tyler Boyd also had a solid day. He was 7 for 8 with 90 yards. Um, A sloppy start turned into somewhat of a shootout um, between the two young QBs. The Jags did their best to claw back into into the fourth quarter. They were down um, 16 to 30 going into the fourth, um, but ultimately fell to the Bengals. Um, Joe Mixon, now healthy, um, he had a huge impact on the game to compliment uh, the young Joe Burrows, um, which is really nice because Joe Burrows, um, if you've seen it, he's one of the top sack quarterbacks in the league. I think he's been sacked like, uh, what is it, 13 times, I think. The, the O-line is terrible, and it really made me worry about um, about you know his ability to finish out the season. And if you some of you have even seen this video of Joe Burrows uh, sliding, and his slide is very... Um, 
very weird. He just kind of falls, um, but he's talking to one of the referees, and he's like, yeah, I'm working about getting down, and the referees are giving him advice, like, yeah, if you're if you're going to go down, just go down. And he goes, yeah, I didn't really have to do a ton of that in college, so I'm getting used to that. He goes, yeah, you don't want to be taking hits from these guys. It's really funny. Um, but the future's bright in Cincinnati. I've said it again and again and again. Um, and I, I really like this this uh, Bengals team. The defense isn't great, but it's better than it was last year um, overall so far. So that's um, that's also another improvement. You know, I think the big focus is just the O line now. Um, but if Joe Burrows can keep producing and Joe Mixon can stay healthy and Boyd and Higgins can keep um, doing as well as they're doing, like I said before the season even started, I really like this offense and I think they could. Uh, I don't know if they're going to steal a playoff spot. Um, I I don't see that at all in the cards for them. But it's going to be a really great. Um, Really good, you know, step forward for the Bengals franchise. Um, as for the Jaguars, though, I keep seeing these takes um, by people saying that the Jags uh, refuse to tank. I don't know if that's necessarily fair because I wouldn't say the Jags are full on tanking. Um, but you know, they have a second year quarterback in Minshew, and they're one and three. You know, I'm not so so much if it's a if it's a tank as they're in the process of rebuilding. I mean. I don't know if Minshew's their guy. We don't really know the situation, um, if they want to keep him or if they're looking to draft another quarterback. Um, but Minshew, I mean, he's putting up 350 yards, two touchdowns. He's not the greatest quarterback. I'm not saying he's something special. But, um, you know, their, their defense isn't the best, and the offense is okay. you got DJ Chark, who's a decent wide receiver, and Minshew. So I'm not saying that they're full-on tanking, but they're in a rebuilding stage for sure. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know where the tank of them refusing to, um, tank came from, but whatever. <laughs> um, jumping into the most frustrating game of the week for me, um, but I can also understand it, um, was the Cowboys Browns game. The Browns ended up winning 49 to the Cowboys 38. Um, Baker Mayfield had 165 yards and two touchdowns. I just want to say, when I say these stats back to get back, this is the tale of two teams, okay, and two quarterbacks. So I'm going to say it again. Baker Mayfield had 165 yards and two touchdowns. Dak Prescott for the Cowboys had was 41 for 58 on uh, attempts and completions. He had 502 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception to nine different receivers. Okay, that's the tale of two quarterbacks. <laughs> that's the tale of one quarterback having a very, very solid running game and a defense that can make some stops versus a quarterback who got down late and had to just keep slinging it in order to stay in the game. <laughs> um, that's the whole story for the entire game, really. Uh, Jarvis Landry even got in on the passing action. He had one passing touchdown for 37 yards. He was also 5 for 6 with uh, 48 yards. And Odell Beckham Jr., the man of the game, um, he had one one rushing touchdown. Um, he had 73 total rushing yards. I think that one touchdown was like 50-yarder. Um, he was also 5 for 8 with 81 yards and two touchdowns. Um, and the Browns' running defense or the running offense was just absolutely ridiculous. I think it was like 300 in total uh, rushing yards. Um, three running backs, including um, Odell Beckham, o- over 70 yards. Uh, Johnson, OBJ, and Kareem Hunt were all over 70 yards. And uh, Nick Chubb was on pace to probably have a 100-yard game before he got hurt. He had uh, 43 yards. Um, and Dallas, I mean, on offense, they, they were they were fine. Um, Ezekiel Elliott still had, he had uh, 54 yards and 71 receiving yards. Um, you don't like to see that from your running back. But then again, when you get, it, it's very difficult for, especially for a team like Dallas and a running back like Ezekiel Elliott is um, if you get down early with such an atrocious defense, um, you can't run the ball because you're gonna you're gonna lose time on the clock. Um, 
you know, and it really didn't help either that on back-to-back possessions, uh, Dak Prescott was strip-sacked by Miles Garrett, uh, which led to a, a Browns touchdown. And then the next play, the very next play, or the next offensive play, um, Ezekiel Elliott had, like, a 15-yard run, and then he got tackled. And he got tackled, but he, like, fell onto the guy, and his, like, butt was on the guy's head, so he wasn't necessarily down. And so he said he, like, eased up on the ball, and that allowed uh, the Browns players to cause another fumble. Um which was recovered by Cleveland, and then they scored again. So you were down 14, and that was pretty much the end of the day um, for Ezekiel Elliott um, running-wise. And the the Cowboys just couldn't get anything going. So it was uh, very frustrating. Um, but that's just how it goes. And Zeke has even touched on that, saying he's had, uh, I think, three fumbles this season, and he's lost two of them. Um, and he's just saying how he, you know, has they, they know it's a thing. He's recognized the problem, and um, it's just not great. He said he's going to be holding on to the ball more. He's going to be working on it, so hopefully that works. As a Cowboys fan, I'm saying I hope that works. <laughs> um, but, you know, the whole offense, if you really look at it, had a phenomenal day. You know, Dak, once again, had four touchdowns of 500 yards. Um, Amari Cooper was 12 for 16 with 134 yards and a touchdown. Uh, C.D. Lamb had his first touchdown and his first two touchdowns in this game. He had uh, he was five for seven with 79 yards and two touchdowns. Like I said, um, Dalton Schultz was four for eight with 72 yards and a touchdown. Um, but the defense, you just can't. You, they had two sacks. That was their only highlights. They they were giving up huge run plays. They were giving up uh, huge passing plays, and it was just it wasn't it wasn't in the cards. And I think. The the epitome to show how the game went is if you can go back and watch the Odell Beckham like 50-yard touchdown run, and you see that Alden Smith has a chance to get a tackle on Odell Beckham Jr. He stops. He's reading the play. like He knows what play is going on, and he just can't reach Odell Beckham Jr., but he knew the play. He literally could have just ran into Baker Mayfield and like disrupted the handoff or something else, but he waited, and um, Odell Beckham just went up the field and had like a 50-yard touchdown run, so... I mean, if that doesn't show how the game went, I don't know what does. Or at least how the Cowboys' defense is doing right now. Uh, moving on to the Saints-Lions game. The Saints uh, defeated the Lions 35-29. to I was only six points away from getting my upset of the week right. I was only six points. Um, Matt Stafford and the Lions, they had they had a solid start to the day, and then they had like 28 unanswered points that they couldn't, they, they just never got back. Um, Stafford was 17 for 31 with uh, 206 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. Um, all of his touchdowns went to Galladay, Swift, and Hawkinson. Um, they had two sacks and an interception on Drew Brees. Um, it, they, they came out really fast. Like I said, they had uh, 28 unanswered points to the Saints after a fast start. Um, they were up 14 to nothing, um, and they had an interception in the first quarter um, of the of the game. You know, if you can get 14 t- points and an interception in the first quarter, you really shouldn't lose that game, um, especially with how the Lions' defense was doing pretty solid um, headed into the game. But the Saints dominated the time of possession in the game, um, 36 minutes and 46 seconds to the Lions' uh, 23 minutes and 14 seconds. Um, and it even showed on the stat sheet. I mean, Drew Brees was 19 for 25 with 246 yards and two touchdowns and an interception. Um, Smith had two two touchdown grabs for 54 yards. Um, and Kamara and Latavius Murray both had a touchdown each, and Kamara had 83 yards rushing. I mean, it, it was a solid day on the offense for the Saints, and I think the Saints team is uh, going to take this one with they, – they, they kind of took a deep breath when the start of the game. They are like, oh, no, and then they were able to get back into it and uh, defeat the Lions. But I, I was really close on my upset of the week. 
Um, my game of the week, which turned out to not be such a game of the week, um, wasn't really that fun at all. Um, the Vikings Texans game, I had the Viking or I had the Texans defeating the Vikings, which I lost to, um, the Vikings won 31 to 23. Um, Kirk Cousins had a solid day, um, for what it's worth. He was 16 for 22 with uh, 260 yards and a touchdown. That stat line is fine. Um, but the way the Vikings offense have been doing, they've been very lucky that somebody like Dalvin Cook has been able to get 100-plus yards. I think in these past two weeks, Dalvin Cook has had 310 rushing yards and I think maybe four to five touchdowns. I don't know um, how many t- – I can't remember how many touchdowns he had last week, um, but he had two touchdowns this week on 27 carries. And Thielen and Jefferson have um, proven that they are a very deadly duo in the NFL right now. I don't know if they're the best, but they're they're very, very good. Adam Thielen was uh, 8 for 10 on the day with 114 receiving yards, one touchdown. And uh, Justin Jefferson, again, the rookie, had 100, uh, 103 receiving yards, and he was 4 for 5. And let's let's just let's just head into the to the to the Texans because the Vikings offense has been doing just fine. They just need somehow need their defense to uh, to turn it around as well because they could be a really good team. And I'm excited to see him play Seattle this week. Um, and on offense, they've been they've been doing very well, but they just need to take it out of the the hands of Kirk Cousins, and that's how you'll win the game. I just don't. I I have never have, and I will will never believe in somebody like Kirk Cousins to win you a game. You need to give the ball to Dalvin Cook, or at least get it out of Kirk Cousins' hands as fast as possible. Um, and then you'll have a, a, a decent recipe to win. You just need your defense to, to produce as well. But moving on to the Texans, um, Deshaun Watson was 20 for 33 on the day. He had 300 yards and two touchdowns um, to Kenny or to Kenny Stills and Will Fuller. The, the, the Texans wide receiver core isn't that bad if you really look at it. you got Randall Cobb, you got Will Fuller, and Kenny Stills. The only hard part is that they're all number two receivers. You don't really have that dominant number one. And I know before anybody says, oh, well, they had DeAndre Hopkins. you know. But you still, if you look at it on paper, you still have three very solid receivers. Um, I'm not saying that getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins was a good thing. Um, but it's just it doesn't really help too, and your defense is just really bad. They're in the bottom eleven in the ESPN rankings, and I mean Watson has put up the numbers in terms of yards. He has over a thousand passing yards, um, and he the man's been sacked sixteen times. I don't know what offensive production you really want um, from even an escape artist like Deshaun Watson. I don't I haven't been able to watch every Texans game this season, but if you can even you know that Deshaun Watson is a an escape artist. He's very good about escaping sacks and whatnot, but if you can get him down 16 times, I can only imagine how many times, you know, somebody who doesn't have the mobility that he has um, could be sacked. So, yes, the the Texans are struggling. They've had to fire Bill O'Brien. They're in very much of a disarray, but they are lucky that Deshaun Watson is very young. Um, but really, I mean, you have David Johnson, who's very washed up and very old, um, but he's... You know, he's, he's a season running back, and those three wide receivers, I mean, you have something there. Just your offensive line sucks, and your defense is in the bottom 11 on the ESPN ranking. So you just you have a lot of problems there. I don't know. I think the season might be shot for the Texans. Um, I think it has been for a while now. I mean, you're 0-4, um, and you just got rid of your head coach and GM. So you're you're pretty much just trying to ride out the season and maybe get a good draft pick if, if, if you're the Texans. Uh, moving on to the next game, uh, Seahawks versus the Dolphins. Uh, this game was a lot closer than I thought it would be. Um, the Seahawks ended up winning 31-23. to um, Russell Wilson had a solid day. He, had, uh, he was 24 for 34. He had 360 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. 
Um, DK Metcalf um, had 106 yards receiving. He was four for six. And then Travis Homer um, had one of those touchdown grabs. And uh, David Moore had was three for four with 95 yards, and he had the other touchdown grab from Russell Wilson. Um, Chris Carson also finally found his stride. I know he's been injury-ridden, um, but he had 80 yards and two touchdowns on this day. Uh, Seattle has just been very lucky to uh, to have somebody like Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and Chris Carson, who is now healthy, and um, Dave, uh, David Moore. Um, you know, the, the offense, I think, is just so dynamic that, you know, they can beat out the teams like Dallas like they did. But I also think it's because um, the defense is just enough. They're not great by any means. I've seen some people saying that this is the Legion of Boom 2.0. Don't even hit me with that. Um, this te- this defense is not that great. Uh, there is no pass rush in the ESPN uh, defense rankings. They're just not great, but they're, they're just enough for some reason during game time um, that Russell Wilson and this offense can still have these consistently crazy productive days that, once again, are just enough to, um, to, win-, to win these games. Uh, Ryan's Fitzmagic, <laughs> I say Fitzmagic like off the top of my tongue now, it like, doesn't even matter. Um, Ryan's Fitzpatrick, he was 29 for 45. He had 315 yards uh, passing. He had two interceptions and just a rushing touchdown. Um, there wasn't really a lot of, you know, happy spots for Miami. They had five field goals and then a rushing touchdown from Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I'm actually surprised with how uh, his ability to run with how old he is. But he, you know, just gets it done. Um, the I say the only bright spot really was uh Devontae Parker it was ten for twelve with one hundred and ten pa- uh receiving yards. Um, the defense did have an interception and two sacks, so I mean there's something there. But I I wanted to to talk about the the Tua situation because I'm not really sure and I haven't read anything about this or seen anything really. You know, big things like uh like rookies getting a chance at the starting job don't really show up. Um. Like they, they they show up on the headlines a lot, but they don't really show up on like on the side, especially for somebody like Tua Tagovailoa, who you know is first round pick. Um, I don't really know what the situation is because I I think it's either it could be one of I think two things. Um, Tua could, yeah, no, no, it'd be two things. Tua, they're either taking Tua off to let his hip uh, recover still, because I mean you got to remember just at the end of the season Tua got hurt. And he had his hip injury, had his surgery. So, you know, you probably don't want to throw him back into the mix too much in the idea of him getting hurt. Or Tua has a Jared Goff situation where he doesn't really understand the playbook that well. I'm not I'm not saying that I know that for a fact. I have no idea. Um, that is what's something I'm going to probably assume. Um, because, you know, Tua is a great talent. Um, he's young. But, I mean, also Ryan Fitzmagic's been able to hold it down. So if it's a – if it's a – either way, it's a – it's a good substitute to have Ryan Fitzmagic in there because you have, you know, the, the hip injury, which, you know, you're going to take the season and you're going to recover. That's fine. Fitzpatrick would get it done. Or if he doesn't understand the playbook, Ryan Fitzpatrick probably isn't a terrible mentor. He's a, he is a fine, like sit in for a quarterback. He's not terrible. So maybe that's the situation. I really don't know. Um, but I hope to see two on the field at least next season. I don't want to see him be one of those guys that gets taken super early in the draft and then just doesn't see the field. Um, next up, we have the Chargers versus the Bucks. This was this was I think this was the oldest exchange between two quarterbacks. I think they said like 22 years in difference um, is the like the the biggest amount of uh, age gap there is for two quarterbacks. Justin Herbert, uh, the rookie, versus Tom Brady, TB 43, um, or however the hell old he is now. 
Um, the Chargers ended up losing to the Bucks, uh, thirty-eight to thirty-one. Um, they did have a seventeen-point lead on the Bucks, which was very surprising. Um, but Tom Brady, being who he is, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Tom Brady being who he is, and Tampa Bay defense being who they are, um, they were able to pull off this miraculous win. Really, uh, Justin Herbert had a solid day, though. Um, if you look at these stats, he was uh, twenty for twenty-five. He had two hundred ninety yards and three passing touchdowns and an interception. Um, this is fine because they have five missing uh, starters on defense. He, half of his uh, O-line is gone, and he's throwing to nobody. Mike Williams, um, one of their draft picks a couple years ago and wide receiver, is not there anymore. Um, Keenan Allen's the only guy out there really for him, and Austin Eckler just left with a hyperextended knee injury. So he's going to be out for at least two to six weeks. Um, and he still was able to put up three touchdowns and near 300 yards. Um, you you have something here. This guy has got the the Joe Burrow effect. To kind of he's he's got something here. He's putting up a lot of numbers against some really big teams. Um, and he's found, he found three different receivers on these touchdowns. Um, so you know if I'm the Chargers, I'm kind of I'm kind of like the Bengals. I'm taking my approach. As you know, we're we're one and three. I believe they're one and three, right? Yeah, yeah, they're one and three. Don't don't tell me. Uh, they're one and three, but you're kind of taking this approach of yeah, you know maybe we'll string off like five, six, seven wins this season. Maybe not make the playoffs, or maybe just get in the wild card um, if you can beat out the Raiders. But you know you're kind of taking the season. You're like, okay, we found Herbert. You know we're all right with that. Um, so if, if I'm a Chargers fan, you know I don't want to take the moral victories. I want to win now. But you know if you can find a young star, you're like, all right, yeah, I'm okay. Um, Tampa Bay on the other side though, Tom Brady had a phenomenal day. He had uh he was thirty for forty six. He had three hundred sixty nine yards, five touchdowns, and an interception. He had a touchdown to five uh, five different receivers. He also had completions to ten different receivers, which is just crazy. Um, Ronald Jones uh, on the ground. He had twenty carries for one hundred and eleven yards, um, and he was just very solid. No touchdowns. Um, Mike Evans. He had a great day receiving. He was one of the the touchdown. Uh, catchers or receivers. Um, he was seven for eight with 122 yards and a touchdown. Um, and the defense was super solid too. They had two sacks and an interception. So, for for what they for what it's worth, um, the these past three games they've been really uh, able to string string together um, a bunch of very impressive wins. Um, especially this last one. Um, you know, being down 17 points, but you know you got the comeback man on your on your quarterback position, Tom Brady. So, you know you're you're never out um, with him. And like I said, for, for Chargers fans out there, Herbert's your guy if he keeps this up. Um, and I feel bad for Tyrod Taylor because he's kind of out of a job now with how well um, Herbert's doing. But, you know, just kind of take it take it as it is. You know, you don't like moral victories, not in football, not in anything. But, you know, like I said, you just got to take it as it is and, uh, and go with it. Uh, Ravens-Washington. Um, I got this game right. The Ravens won thirty-one to seventeen. Um, I didn't. I don't think anybody really saw the Ravens losing. Um, they were probably pretty upset um, as to how the Chiefs game went. Uh, Lamar Jackson, before he left the game, he had a, a small knee injury. He's missed the past two days of practice, uh, Wednesday and Thursday. So it's starting to raise an eyebrow a little bit that situation. But um, you know, it's still Thursday, um, and they have till Sunday. I'm sure he'll be fine. Um, Lamar Jackson was 14 for 21, um, during, in this game passing, he had 193 yards passing, two touchdowns and an interception. Um, he did run for 53 yards and a touchdown. 
Um, like I said, though, that knee injury or that you know that little tweak, that's what's going to probably start pushing Lamar to not run anymore. I don't, I didn't see how he got hurt. It could have been just a weird, you know, exchange. He could have been throwing and got hit as he threw. I don't know. Um, but those are going to be the type of injuries um, that's going to either stop Lamar Jackson from being great in his career, or if it's going to just cut him short. Um, and he's really just got to start thinking about being a more prolific passer. He's not a bad passer, in my opinion, at all. Um, but he might want to think about maybe getting rid of the ball a little bit more, just with now a little bit of tweak in his knee. Um, Mark Ingram had a rushing touchdown. He only had 34 yards, but he still got the touchdown. Um, Mark Andrews was a top receiver with 57 yards. He was 3-for-3 three three on his receptions with two touchdowns. Um, the defense had three sacks. Uh, Washington now has named Kyle Allen their number one quarterback, um, and I'm super stoked. I, I I like Kyle Allen. I thought he did pretty pretty all right in in uh, Carolina. He doesn't. It doesn't look like it on the stat sheet. Um, Kyle Allen. I think it was. Uh, I think he didn't play the whole season last year. I, I I can't tell you right now. But either way, his 2019 stats in total were 3,322 yards passing uh, 17 touchdowns passing 16 interceptions which is not great um, but he was also sacked 46 times so um, you know take it as it is obviously he was on the ground a lot but I um, I like Kyle Allen I always have I think he'll be fine in Washington um, he's going to be better than Dwayne Haskins in my opinion a lot of people think that Haskins got cut down a little early um, and Haskins might be the first one to fall on an unfor- unfortunate um standard by teams now to where if you're not producing right away um you gotta go um you know like pat mahomes and lamar jackson if you're not winning mvps or super bowls or super bowl mvps you gotta go um and i think Dwayne haskins might be the first victim to that in his career um haskin has thrown 11 touchdowns 10 interceptions 42 sacks and he's thrown for 2003 or 304 yards um, so, I mean, even that right away, Haskins has played less games than Kyle Allen did or very similar amount of games. And he's been sacked just as many times. Um, and he's thrown, you know, near like one touchdown to one interception ratio as well. So you're kind of, you're, you're substituting, you know, one thing in for another. I, I don't really know how to look at this, but I like Kyle Allen playing it a little bit better. Um, Dwayne Haskins on the day, though, if you look at it, he didn't have many touchdowns. He had one rushing touchdown, but his passing wasn't terrible. He was 33 for 45, or 32 for 45, sorry. He had 314 passing yards, but he had uh, three rushing yards for one touchdown. Um, Antonio Gibson was their was their top runner. He had uh, 13 carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. And Tommy McLaurin, again, um, had a great performance. He was uh, 10 for 14 with uh, 118 yards. So, you know, like I said, if you're in Washington, um, it, you know, it, Haskins has just kind of fallen to, to a sad um, stigma of, you know, you have to perform right away now. Um, maybe he'll find a home somewhere else. Um, I don't know exactly where it would be. You know, people like Trubisky and Haskins, I don't really know where you're going to land. Um, a lot of these teams have their guys. Um, or it at least seems like they have their guys. Maybe the Bears, if Nick Foles doesn't work out, um, and the Jets, um, we'll get into them later because they're starting uh, Flacco this week. But, I mean, there's not a ton of teams that are really looking for quarterbacks anymore. Um, the Falcons might be, or the Niners might be soon, but I don't know. Um, yeah, so I'm happy for Kyle Allen, but I do feel bad for Dwayne Haskins. Uh, the Giants-Rams game, and probably it, this was the lowest-scoring game of the week, but this was also the, probably the biggest snooze fest of the week. Um, the Rams ended up winning 17-9. to um, 
yeah, <laughs> it that just tells you this the story right there. An offense like the Rams that's so dynamic and so you know run heavy and that can also pass when they want to. Um, and the Giants being in such a just a crumbling state right now um, really tells you how this game went um, and and their ability to not you know drop forty on them. Um, Daniel Jones was 23 for 36. He had 190 yards, no touchdowns again, um, and one interception. And really, I mean, the only good, like the highest performing offensive player besides Daniel Jones, which it's always going to be your quarterback, really, um, was uh, Darius Slayton. And he had, uh, he was three for seven with 48 yards, which is terrible. Um, Graham Gano was their no. You know what? Graham Gano was their highest um, performing offensive player. Your kicker was because he had nine points. He was three for three, and he he scored all of their points. Um, they had no production on defense either. They had one sack, or I mean two sacks, and they they the Giants just have nothing right now. They just absolutely nothing. So I don't really know if you're the Giants, where where are you gonna go from here? You have nothing on offense. Saquon's out. You're very hurt on defense, or you're very hurt in the wide receiving part. Your defense is terrible. You can't pressure the quarterback. Um, you just you don't really know what, what you, I don't know what to say for the Giants. Really, they're they're in a whole different area of trouble. Um, Jared Goff uh, had a solid day. He was 25 for 32. He had 200 yards and a touchdown. It's it's fine. Um, Everett was the the top rusher with one touchdown. Um, Cooper Cup was the top receiver. He was five for seven with sixty nine yards and a touchdown. Um, the defense was uh, productive as usual. They had one interception and four sacks. Um, it was a poor showing by the Rams offense, um, but the Giants are just awful. Um, but you know every team is going to have that that showing. You know where they kind of compete down to their to the the other team's level. I'm not saying the the Rams did that on purpose. That just happens. Um, so I know the Rams are way better than the way they played, and the Giants just. It, they have it's like they have no competitive fire they just have no production no nothing and obviously it, they're hurt um not having Saquon there just really isn't isn't helping but they're just they're they're really bad man <laughs> uh moving on we're gonna have the Bills versus the Raiders the Bills were able to cap off this one um 30 to 23 Josh Allen had another great day he was 24 for 34 with uh, 288 passing yards uh, two touchdowns and one rushing touchdown for negative three rushing yards. You know, last week, Mike Evans had the best two-yard performance in NFL history, probably. He had two touchdowns for two receptions for two yards. But Josh Allen had one rushing touchdown but ended up finishing the game with negative three rushing yards. I understand he can get sacked behind the line or whatever, but that's just, like, uh, that. that's amazing. <laughs> um Josh Allen had uh, one touchdown each to Cole Beasley and uh, Gabriel Davis. Um, and Devin Singletary had a solid day. He had 18 carries, 56 yards, and one touchdown. Um, the, the Bills just keep rolling, really. Um, he's a, Josh Allen, to me, is a sleeper MVP candidate. I'm not saying that he's better or that he should be at the top. Um, Russell Wilson is... He's on top of Josh Allen in touchdowns, but Josh Allen's on top in total yards. But I think touchdowns, I think people are going to look for more. Um, he's only four touchdowns away, which aren't terrible. Um, he's third behind uh, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Um, Aaron Rodgers, I think, is now just finally being recognized as an MVP candidate, but I'll get to that game in a minute. Um, he just put Buffalo on his back again and again and again, uh, Josh Allen. So I, I just really like to watch this guy play, and I love how much he's grown in these past couple of years. Uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders offense, they had, a, they had an okay day. Um, Derek Carr was 32 for 44. He had 311 yards and two touchdowns, um, one one to each of uh, Aguilar and Witten. Um, there was two fumbles on the offense, though, um, and they lost them both. 
Uh, Josh Jacobs had 15 carries for 48 yards. Not a very productive day for him. He hasn't been very productive running wise. I don't know if it's because teams are you know focusing him more, but it's not it's not going it's not looking great for uh, for Josh Jacobs. Uh, Darren Waller did have a solid solid day. He didn't have a touchdown, but he was nine for twelve um, with eighty eight yards. And you can see it um, that the Raiders heading into the fourth quarter, or like after their first possession of the third quarter, they had kicked a field goal, and it was seventeen to sixteen. They were one. They were only one point down. And even at the end of the game, they were only one touchdown away from tying it or two point conversion away from winning the game. Um, and you see it though when Darren Waller is productive the the whole offense opens up and Derek Carr is throwing 300 yards rather than you know a little under 200 like he did against the Patriots and so if it, the the big part of any team that's trying to stop the Raiders is you got to stop Waller if you stop Waller you stop just about the entire defense or the entire offense rather uh moving on to the Eagles and Niners game this was uh this was hard <laughs> this game was really hard the Eagles ended up winning uh, 25 to 20 against the 49ers. Carson Wentz was okay. Um, he had 18 for he was 18 for 28. He had 193 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception, and a rushing touchdown. Um, a defense pick six is really what decided this game um, by Alex Singleton, and um, another interception by Rodney McLellan, um was was just what won the game for the Eagles. And the fact that Nick Mullins couldn't do anything. Um, he speaking on Mullins, he was 18 for 26 with 200 yards and one touchdown and two interceptions. Um, he ended up actually getting subbed out for um, for for Bear, Bethrit, Beth Bethard <laughs> Bethard of the of the Niners. He had uh, he ended up finishing 14 for 19 with 138 yards. Um, and he he didn't lead the Niners to to a win, but he he did okay. I mean, this Niners team is really lost without a Q, QB. Um, and I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo can stay healthy. So. Um, I don't think Mullins is going to start again. Um, they don't really know who the starter is going to be because they don't know right now if Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to play. Um, they don't know if Nick Mullins is going to start because he just got subbed out. They don't know if Bethard's going to play. Um, they're in a complete disarray. Um, but if you're the Niners, you you know you have some bright spots. You have um, Ayuk, uh, Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he had 38 rushing yards and a touchdown. But he also had that insane hurdle play. Um, I don't know if any of you saw, but he completely cleared one guy going into the end zone. Um, and George Kittle's back, if that's a, a big upside for the Niners. He had 15, 15 receptions for 183 yards and one touchdown, making his case for best tight end in the NFL, making a case. I'm not saying he is. Um, the defense was all right, though. They had uh, one interception with three sacks. Um, but the Eagles, they just pulled off a, a, a crazy win, which really shouldn't have been crazy. The, it was I would consider this crazy because it was so bad. Um, I think Wentz saved his job for this week, um, just being able to, to beat the Niners. But then again, the defense, the defensive interceptions and the pick six was, um, what put the Eagles, you know, really far ahead. Um, and if I'm Wentz though, I am getting a little worried and I want to be more productive. Um, not only just as an athlete, but the Eagles are consistently, um, working Jalen Hurts into the offense more and going into the wildcat. Um, so you just you hope if you're Carson Wentz that they don't start doing that enough to where you're com- coming off the field completely. Um, the Wildcat didn't work very well, but it's you know it's there. They're starting to put Hurts on the field more and more and more. Um, if you're Carson Wentz, maybe you're just hoping for a Taysom Hill, Drew Brees situation. Um, but I don't know. Uh, the Niners are in for a rough go of it until Jimmy G gets back for real. It's um, Nick Mullins just isn't good. Um, if you get subbed out against the Eagles, is a real problem. And Bethard's just not that great either. Um, he didn't throw an interception, which is great, but still, it's it's not good. 
Um, and they don't even know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be able to stay healthy. So it's it's just you're, it's not good if you're in Niner Town. Um, Sunday night football, or no, sorry, this was Monday night football because um, there were two of them. But uh, one of the Monday night football games, the Packers versus the Falcons, the pa- Packers ended up beating the Falcons 30-16. to 16. Uh, Matt Ryan had a decent day. He was 28 for 39 with 285 yards and no touchdowns, no interceptions, no nothing, um, which is not what you want from your quarterback. Uh, Todd Gurley was 16, 16 carries, 57 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, and if you're the if you're the Falcons, you're you're you know your defense sucked. You knew that um, Dan Quinn was a bad coach um, defensively. You know because you given up all these comebacks, but um, you're starting to get a little worried because the Packers, yes, they are I believe top 12 in defense. Okay, but Calvin Ridley, who's been one of your top receivers, probably your top receiver, um, arguably with Julio Jones. Um, was 0 for 5 in catches and had zero yards. He couldn't. He didn't catch anything. Um, and Julio Jones was only 4 for 4 with 32 yards. Julio Jones, I think, has completely disappeared um, this this year. Uh, he's not like he's not because I want to say he completely disappeared, but he also he's just he's Julio Jones. You have to game plan for him, but he he just hasn't been able to to will his way into a game, um, which is what you want from a team from a player like him. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Had a solid day, and this was a game that I think for some reason this game in particular people really started to recognize him as an MVP candidate because he's just good. Aaron Rodgers is just good. He's always been good, um, and I've known it, but I didn't want to like shove that idea down people's throats. And Rodgers even said it himself. Whether you believe this or not, um, Rodgers said, uh, what was it, that he, his career, uh, down years for him are like career years, from, uh, career years for most guys, which is true. Aaron Rodgers is a, is a solid quarterback, and tonight he proved it. Um, he had he was 27 for 33. Um, he had 327 yards, four touchdowns. I mean that's just ridiculous stat stat line. Um, Aaron Jones also had a very productive day with 15 carries for 71 yards and one receiving touchdown. And Robert Tunyon um, was six for six with 98 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and that also just shows to the fact of Aaron, Aaron Rodgers being good is that he can find anybody. You know, Devontae Adams has been out these past two weeks and he's been able to make somebody like Robert Tunyon have three receiving touchdowns, you know? It's just, you got to put some respect on the guy's name. Um, the defense ended up coming up with four sacks and three of them coming from Zadarius Smith. That's how they say it on, on Madden, for the for those of you guys who don't know. They say it with a weird tone. Um, but the Packers, I think they've proven to probably be the best team in the NFC, um, or they're at least the most complete team in the NFC, um, in my opinion. Um, they're top 12 on defense and top two on offense right behind Dallas. Um, Aaron Rodgers is number four in yards for quarterbacks, but he's also number two in uh, touchdowns for QBs, but he also has zero interceptions. So, you know, it's a solid stat sheet on, on just both sides of the ball for the Packers. Um, Matt Ryan in the offense, they couldn't do anything, but uh, they could do everything but score. Um, they had 30 minutes of thir- 30 minutes and 22 seconds of possession. You should be able to beat a team like that. I understand the Packers are a great team, but with how great your offense is and the fact that you kept your defense off the field, your terrible defense for half an hour, you should be able to beat um, a team like the Packers or any team really that way. Or at least have some more diversity in your touchdowns and not just two to, to Todd Gurley and then a field goal and nothing else. You know, you should be should be more productive like that. Uh, moving on to the the final game of the week, uh, the Chiefs Patriots game. Uh, the Chiefs ended up topping the Patriots twenty six to ten. The score line don't let it trick you. Um, the with multiple turnovers, the Pats still had uh, more time of possession with the than the Chiefs. I know there are going to be some people saying like, why is time of possession so important? Because it is. 
time of possession is incredibly important. Um, any team ever that's been successful have been able to get the ball on, uh, get the ball on offense and keep it. Um, and it just kills the other team because the offense doesn't have time to operate. Um, they're usually operating with their backs against the wall. Um, but the Patriots, you know, it's only three minutes, but with Brian Hoyer and Jared Stidham at your quarterback position, um, and you still have over half an hour possession time, and you beat the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, in possession time by three minutes, you, that's just incredible coaching. So good on Bill Belichick and uh, Josh Daniels for being able to construct something like that. Um, Brian Hoyer, when he was in the game, he had uh, he was 15 for 24 with 130 yards, an interception, and a lost fumble. And he also uh, this this was this was hard to watch for me. I'm not a Pats fan, but this was really hard to watch. Um, he had a, he was a third down, like late third down. They had a chance to score, and no, it's fourth down, I believe. Third or fourth down. It was one of the later downs. <laughs> and uh, Brian Hoyer, rather than throwing the ball away, just decides to roll away and take a sack, which he should know better than that. Um, you can see the entire Patriots lot. Uh, sideline even Bill Belichick got pissed like and he was like throwing his uh his um clipboard down it was it was pretty hilarious um but then Jared Stenham ended up getting uh subbed in he was five for 13 with 60 yards um one touchdown and two interceptions one of those interceptions is not his fault entirely um Julian Edelman who led the league in drops last season just wanted to put that out there um we just let the ball just fly right out of his hands and then Tyron Matthew was there to pick it off for a pick six um, but th- this Patriots team, I mean, they're they're not terrible at all. It's it's really good coaching. Um, I even called into a, to a radio show to talk about the Patriots game, and they were saying how they were tired of the moral victories. You you got to take them where you can get them. Um, and even so, I mean, going into the fourth quarter, this this game was thirteen to ten against a team that didn't have their starting quarterback, and against the reigning the reigning Super Bowl champions. So. You know, I know the Patriots fan base is stubborn, but take it, take it as you win. You're two and two. You're fine. Um, Damian Harris was the running back for the Pats tonight. He had 17 carries and 100 yards. And uh, Demir Bird was the top receiver, and I think he might be the top receiver on the team. Um, he's a pretty solid receiver. He was five for 10 with 80 yards. The defense can only get one sack, but they were able to make the Chiefs punt or you know just get rid of the ball um, time and time again. Um, the Chiefs, though, Patrick Mahomes was 19 for 29. He had uh, 236 yards passing and two touchdowns, um, one to Hill and McCall Hardman. Um, the defense had three interceptions and six sacks, um, and they were they were very solid. Um, without Chris Jones, um, they're probably their most productive defensive player, their defensive lineman. They still had a solid day. Um, but, you know, it, like I said, this is probably a better victory for the Patriots than anything, um, except for the COVID testing, but I'll get to that. All right, and that is it for our week in review. Now I'll be picking my games of the week. Uh, tonight, Thursday night, I have the Bucks versus the Bears. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think Tom Brady and the Bucks offense just keeps rolling, and but I don't think it'll be a terrible game. I think Nick Foles will have a fine showing against the Bucks defense. Um, I think he'll have a better showing than he did against the Colts defense. Um, but I do. I pick the Bucks in the end. I pick the Panthers to keep rolling and go on to three and zero without Christian McCaffrey. That's no reason um, that they're winning. It's not Christian McCaffrey's fault that they were losing before. He's a solid player. I think Teddy Bridgewater is just getting in, uh, implemented more, and their defense isn't the best, um, but it's not bad by any means. Uh, the Ravens versus Bengals. I wanted to put this as my game of the week, but I didn't. Um, I'm just really excited to see um, to see. Burroughs versus Lamar Jackson for the first time. Um, they're both very great quarterbacks. Um, or at least I'm gonna put yeah, I'm gonna put great on uh, Joe Burroughs right now because I just I think he's been very productive and very solid. But um, I think it's gonna be a fun matchup. 
Um, I have the Titans for, or the Texans over the Jags. I have the comeback win for the Texans. I don't think they're going to win their division or anything of that uh, situation, but I think it's just a comeback win. I think it's a solid win um, for the Texans, and I think it'll be the first one without Bill O'Brien so that they can kind of take a step back and you know know that they made the right choice. Um, I have the Chiefs over the Raiders. Um, the Chiefs are just the, probably the best, most well-rounded team in the NFL right now. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. And the Raiders' uh, defense, other than the secondary, like maybe one to two spots in the secondary, um, it's not that great. So I And I don't think the Chiefs are going to dominate them, but I do see the Chiefs winning this game. Um, Patriots versus Broncos. I have the Pats winning over the Broncos. Um, I don't know what the situation with Cam Newton is right now. I don't know how long it's going to be till he comes back. But even so, the Broncos defense um, is probably the only bright spot. Them and Melvin Gordon. Um, you know, Cortland Sutton's hurt. Uh, Jerry Judy is the other bright spot too. But just with no clear quarterback play, and you know, I saw some, or I heard something that uh, Drew Bre- or Drew Locke, not Drew Brees, uh, Drew Blo- Drew Locke was at. Um, practice, but he is not put as active for the game. So uh, they're still kind of lost in the quarterback play. And like I said, if the Patriots can hold the Chiefs to 10 to 13 going into the fourth quarter of their game with Brian Horrier and Jared Stidham at quarterback, uh, I don't see why they can't beat a team like the Broncos. My upset of the week. I need to get like a sound for these things. I need to get like an upset of the week, and then I need to have like like a like a siren going on in the back or something. Um, but I have the Jets and Joe Flacco, who is now the starting quarterback for the Jets this week. I have the Jets beating the Cardinals. I have the Cardinals dropping to the Jets and it going in just complete mayhem. Um, probably a terrible take, especially with DeAndre Hopkins over there. He's going to be torching that defense, but, um, I'm, I'm taking Joe Flacco as a, as a, a comeback player this week, but I'm taking the Jets upsetting the Cardinals in what will be a shock to the entire NFL world. Um, I'm taking the Steelers over the Eagles. Um, Big Ben was talking about how he was kind of annoyed last week that they couldn't play a game in the t- against the Titans because of the whole coronavirus situation um, because, you know, just coming off an elbow uh, injury and he was just feeling good and they were they were really rolling, um, which is understandable. But I think um, going against a team like the Eagles will be just fine for them, and I don't think they'll have any issues. Um, the Bills over the Titans, if it happens, um, there's been some talks about the Titans, you know, missing – uh, going and doing workouts and whatnot, and I'll touch on that in a minute. But this game might not even happen because of the whole Corona situation with the Titans. Um, but even if it did happen, I would pick the Bills over the Titans. Um, I have the Rams winning against uh, Washington. Uh, Washington just in complete disarray um, on offense. They, I think the only thing I, they might be in no disarray um, if Josh, or Kyle Allen does anything remotely good. Um, I Just because I like Kyle Allen, as I said before, it doesn't mean I think that they're going to turn their whole season around. They're still in com- like complete rebuild mode, um, and the Rams are you know just one of the better teams in the NFL, and I think they're going to run the ball uh, right down Washington's throat just like they do every team. Um, I have the Dolphins beating the 49ers. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a solid enough of a QB um, to, to beat the 49ers, and unless, unless Jimmy Garoppolo plays, but I'm not going to, you know, leave that at, you know, I'm not going to leave my pick up to, oh, well, unless this guy plays. Um, I'm going to take the Dolphins, but if Jimmy Garoppolo wins, I'm not going to be, or if Jimmy Garoppolo is in the game, I'm not going to be confident in this pick, but uh, right now I'm going to stick with it. Um, I got the Colts over the Browns. Um, I think the Colts defense is going to really kind of give a shock to the Browns, and it's going to kind of bring everybody back down. This is a little bit of a salty Cowboys fan's take, but um, the Browns offense did play a terrible Cowboys defense, and I think going from playing 
possibly the worst defense in the NFL to the best defense in the NFL. I think it's going to be a good wake up call for the Browns and kind of take them off their off of this high. Um, but I I, will, I do think it's going to be a low scoring game because, like I said, I don't think Philip Rivers is that great of a quarterback, and uh, T. Y. Hilton's just been missing this season. Um, I'm going to take the Cowboys in a comeback win. Um, this is not my comeback game of the week, um, but I'm just going to take them in a win against the Giants. I think they're just going to absolutely destroy the Giants. I think uh, everybody has been pretty pissed off there in Dallas, and they're just going to take it right to a Giants team that has nothing to hold to a team like Dallas. They don't have an offense to compete. They don't have a good defense. They have nothing. At least the Cowboys have a decent offense. They're actually probably a very good offense, the number one in the NFL. Um, my game of the week is Seattle versus Minnesota. And th- for the reasoning is, is because both teams have awful defenses, but both teams have very productive offenses. And that's, that's it. That's the only thing I'm t- saying about this take. And I just, everybody keep your eyes on that game. Um, Saints over the Chargers this week for me. Um, I think the Saints just keep rolling. I think they're going to advance to 3-2. And, and I think it's going to be another sad loss for the Chargers, but I don't think anybody's going to question Herbert in the quarterback spot. Um, in my last game of the week, I'm going to take the Packers over the Lions. I think the Packers are just going to keep rolling, just like the Saints. Um, and the Lions just aren't that great of a team. Um, and the Packers are just, unfortunately for the Lions, are right on top of the world right now. Um, real quick, before we end this podcast, I wanted to talk about um, the Titans situation. The Tennessee Titans right now are being investigated and honestly threatened um, by the NFL with having um, some of their games uh, forfeited. And the way a forfeit in the NFL works is basically they just write on the the score sheet like, oh, this team won by two points, like two to nothing. You know, uh, this week it would be the Bills, like the Bills would win by two. And the reasoning they're threatening to forfeit games for the Titans is because uh, the Titans have been having um, unauthorized workouts in the in the facility of the of their team. Um, without any anybody's like you know uh, go ahead, so they've just been doing this you know all on their own. It, it's not released as to who it is. It's not. Um, I don't think Mike Vrabel knew anything about it, or I, I can't remember the stories that I said. But this is what's happening. Um, these guys are just complete idiots for whoever's doing this. Um, I don't care. You know, you can't practice and stay ready for something if you don't, if you're not cleared to. You know, this is you know you're putting the whole season in jeopardy. Um, you might just have to remove yourself from the NFL. I don't know how they'll deal with that unless they're just going to have the Titans just keep forfeiting the whole season. Um, but they just have to kind of, you know, be adults, be professional athletes and understand that, you know, even if you don't think that this is important, you know, this is something that jeopardizes the entire season for you. And they're even, uh, they're even threatening to not pay the players on like games that get forfeited. They're, they're threatening to not pay the players because they're not playing, you know? So it's, um, it's it's ridiculous is that how that's going on the fact that they even need to threaten you with that um and one more thing about COVID-19 is that Stefan Gilmore um the reigning defensive player of the year and the cornerback for the New England Patriots um was found to have coronavirus um hopefully he is okay um hopefully everything's just fine um yeah it's it's crazy because the, the Patriots have been I think this will be their third player they had Cam Newton Stefan Gilmore and then a practice squad uh lineman um, who had Corona, but it's, it's just absolutely insane. This stuff. Um, I just hope it doesn't take our season and put it in jeopardy. Cause that, that would be, that would be awful. Um, I don't know what the situation is going to be. I don't know how they're going to, you know, kind of combat this. And if we can even finish the season, I would really like to, I think that'd be awesome. I think that would be uh, terrible to get a quarter way through a season and then just have to shut it down. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, yeah. 
But thank you guys so much for um, tuning into this episode of the Boom Team Podcast. I really appreciate you guys tuning in. We have an average audience of about 14 to 20 listeners now, um, which I really appreciate. And after this episode, we should be over 600 plays. And I just remember like two, uh, two to three episodes ago, I was uh, thanking you guys for coming over 500 plays. So thank you guys for the constant support. Um, I really appreciate it. It means the world to me. I love doing this. I can't tell you guys how many times I love doing this. Um, and I thank you guys so much so much for coming back every week and listening to me talk about sports and probably giving you the lowest end uh, sports takes that you could ever hear. <laughs> um, but once again, thank you guys for tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at uh, Nutta28. That's uh, N-U-T-T-A-H-2-8. Or follow me on Instagram at Dakota.Nutter. And then also follow the Boom Team Podcast Instagram at Boom Team Podcast, all lowercase, one word, um, also, leave ratings on the podcast if you if you want to. It really helps get my name out there. Um, you know, just the, the stars rating, you know, put whatever. Put one star if you want to. I'd really appreciate it if you didn't. Um, but if you want to do that, do that. Um, written reviews are also really great. I love hearing feedback from you guys. Um, but once again, thank you guys for tuning in, and I'll see you guys on the flip side.